Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs, and I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got such a great show in store for you. Y'all just better buckle up. You got to buckle up for this one. Before we dive in, though, I want to share about one of our amazing sponsors, BetterHelp. I'll never forget when my college pastor had me read the story of the two sons in Luke 15 and helped me to understand I was acting like the older brother from that story. Tough moment? Yes. Humbling 100%. Worth it, for sure. See, getting to know ourselves is a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Thank goodness. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. And because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk it through, BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. You know what a proponent of counseling I am. It's been a really pivotal part of helping me to get to know my myself and keep growing into the Annie I want to be. Since BetterHelp is entirely online, it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and it fits into your schedule. They've removed so many of the obstacles that sometimes keep people from getting the help that they need. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge, so you're sure to be working with someone who's good match for you. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash that sounds fun today on the show i get to chat with the brilliant tim mackey he's served as a local church pastor as a professor at western seminary and tim is now the lead research scholar and creative director at bible project where he loves helping people understand how the overall biblical story works together and leads us to jesus of nazareth if you're not familiar with bible project you'll want to be after you hear this episode they produce such helpful creative beautiful and accessible resources to help us understand the scriptures and live them more fully. I cannot wait for y'all to hear this one. And if you listen closely, you're actually going to hear my mind grow, expand, get blown away multiple times by Tim's brilliant. So here is my conversation all about the Gospels. You know we're talking about the Gospels with Tim Mackey. Tim Mackey, welcome to That Sounds Fun. Hey, Annie. Hi. It's good to be here. I need you to know that when we ask our audience, who do you want on? It's Chip and Joanna Gaines and Tim Mackey. 
Yes. That's so weird. You are My wife would think that's really weird. <laughs> well, take it home to her because it is 100% the truth. People want to hear you on the podcast. Okay. All right. I haven't gotten to tell you yet because we're new friends. The Bible Project has changed my life. Whoa, I need you to know it wow. is. It's unbelievable. I'm an OG. I mean, I have the original big gray book that y'all printed. No that way. Is, is big. Wow. Yeah. 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 I've been watching the videos wow. since right when you put them out per book. So yeah, t- tell me, g- give me a description or two of like what what have been some helpful helpful things or new perspectives. For I you. think when I watched how y'all outlined the Psalms <clears throat> and the different mm. columns, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. that has that is how I read the Psalms all the time now is I see the oh, columns sweet. that you made in the videos. Yeah, um, yeah your yeah. explanation in Genesis of the families. I just mm. really mm. clearly remember watching the families being drawn and how mm. all that works. Mm. So I love that. And then I've recently, because we're doing the Let's Read the Gospels podcast, I've rewatched all the gospel ones. We'll link to yeah, them. So yeah, in our resources so everybody can know yeah but man it's one of the things i want to talk to you about is is how matthew mark luke and john are similar and different but it has just been the Mm. podcast y'all put out the videos you put out all the resources are just such a gift to us tim wonderful well they're it's a gift to me I can't believe I get to do it. And yeah, be a part of it. So, I mean, super, really, when you were fun. back studying the Bible, get it in your seminary degree, what did you think was going to happen? Did you think you'd create something like this? No, of course not. No, you couldn't have. It didn't <laughs> exist. No, no. I thought either I'm going to teach the Bible in a local church, yeah, you know, be a pastor, teacher, or I might get to teach in a classroom, like at a seminary. Yeah, like that. yeah. And uh, and I've done both of those for many years. Yes, and uh, but. Then it morphed into this project that uh, I started with a friend that I met back in college yeah. with John Collins. And there you go. So, and I, really, it's sort of like uh, he's the entrepreneur. He really had not the whole idea, but the, had the seed idea. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds fun. <laughs> Let's go. Pun intended. <laughs> and so, uh, actually, I didn't intend that till it came out of my mouth. I love it. <laughs> it happens I, all the time. So, a- anyhow, it's been an amazing ride. The Holy Spirit had so much more in mind than we had a clue yeah. of but we just one step at a time and it's it's been a, a really amazing ride i mean one of my thoughts about bible project one of the questions i wrote down is is there some joy that you're never going to run out of topics i mean you can do this forever y'all will <laughs> never run out of things with the bible right that is true yeah. that is true and i think about that regularly yeah. <laughs> you're like job <laughs> actually security. for me it's like there's not enough time even wow. if God's gracious to me yeah. and gives me, you know, the, about as many years as my body can handle, there aren't enough days for me to explore the things I want to explore. And that's okay. That's yeah. what makes it such a fun world to live in. And of course, that's just like understanding, like yeah. in terms of actually responding in my own life. Yeah. I'll be at that, you know, uh, the rest of my life too. So that's what makes it a great adventure. What's your personal study look like? Like, how do you separate... I'm reading the Bible in the morning with my cup of coffee from, yeah, because I am working on this thing about creation. And so now that I'm in Mm -hmm. Genesis, like, how do you separate work and pleasure with the Bible? Well, there's a lot of overlap, of course. But so I'm working in different parts of the Bible all the time uh, for projects that I'm working on. But I do like the first hour of my day is really sacred. Yeah, There's no dictionaries out. I actually don't begin it with the Bible. I begin it in silence to prepare myself uh, to hear from God and whether that's in my heart or mind or through my environment. 
and then the Bible opens a little bit after. I'm, I'm primed. <laughs> wow. So are you just praying in that silent time? Yes. Yeah. Wow. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound more pious than I really am. But I, for me, what I've learned is that when the Bible's open, my brain gets into a certain gear. Yeah. And so I actually have to start my day with something that's more experiential. And body feeling yes, oriented yes. Um, to kind of, I want to engage God with my whole self. Yes. And scripture has one role to play in that matrix, but I'm yeah. more than a brain on a stick. Yeah. <laughs> so, so are you. But sometimes I forget that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> I had dinner with some friends last night, and halfway through the salad, the wife said, Is there anything that besides the Bible that makes us prove that the Bible's true? And I was kind of like, uh, <laughs> that's, like, that's like the pizza conversation, not the salad conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but can you talk, I mean, you've studied so much about the biblical canon and the origin of it. Yeah. When someone asks you something like that, what's your answer? How, what kind of other sources mm. do we have that help us prove mm. that the Bible is what the Bible says it is? Yeah, well, you know, what the Bible says it is, is a collection of texts that come from the family of Abraham, the Israelite mm -hmm. family of Abraham, that's both a, a retelling of their family history and of their journey with God in the world and what this family believes about the God who called them mm. into being and delivered them and gave them a purpose among all the nations throughout history. And the claim of all of these texts is that that retelling of their family story that is pointing to some culmination thing that God's going to do, that it's not just, you know, uh, a human-made story, but it's actually a fusion of God and human-like creativity yeah. in the telling of the story. And that it leads to someone, and that someone is Jesus, whom the gospel, the four gospel accounts in the New Testament are all about. So, in a way, the biblical authors are much more interested in just you hearing the story. And if you want to accept it or reject it, you'll have to make that decision as you hear, mm. hear the story. But uh, the biblical authors are less interested in proving something than helping you adopt a way of seeing reality that you can choose to accept or reject. So when it comes to the historical truthfulness of that family story, yeah, I mean, this, is whole, this is a whole world of nerd nerd oh we're awesomeness. bible nerding so hard today tim <laughs> yeah. i want you to lift the governor in every way just <laughs> okay. go as hard as yeah, you want to yeah. go but uh, but there's kind of two worlds there's sort of like okay if i'm interested in the historical truthfulness or reference of the biblical stories there's whole worlds of biblical archaeology of learning about the cultures and languages where the events of the bible took place whether that's egypt or babylon or ancient canaan and so on and so people spend whole careers because there's texts, you know, ancient texts and that are referenced in the Bible mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So you can do that till you're blue in the face. But that learning all that stuff doesn't necessarily mean that you actually know how to read and understand the story. Mm. That just tells you the world in which the story took place. And yeah. so there's another set of skills that's just learning how to read and understand the Bible on its own terms and to hear it the way the authors designed these texts to be read and interacted with. And that's a different set of skills than getting like a shovel and digging up, you know, ancient Egyptian something, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. You know, a, a very few people, I've never done it, but yeah. I've watched people do it. But, yeah. uh, uh, but that's a whole other thing. And anybody can 
learn how to increase their reading skills when it comes to scripture, especially to the four accounts about Jesus, because yeah. they're kind of like the mission statement at Bible Project is we believe the whole collection of the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. That's our mm -hmm. shorthand. And so the whole story leads to him. And when you really understand who he is and what he's claiming about himself in his story, then really it's not the whole rest of the Bible kind of comes together. But then really the whole rest of the meaning of life comes together too. At least that has been my, my yes. experience. Yes. Across all 66 books, do you have a mm. favorite? Oh, uh, See, whatever one I'm working on in the moment. <laughs> are you working on one right now? Or are you working on um, in a specific text? Well, right now, uh, literally right now, I'm working on a theme project. Yeah. So these are projects where we trace an idea from the first book of the Bible it. to the last. Yeah. So we're in, I'm in the middle of researching and prepping to work on a video we're going to make on um, the, the image of the dragon. <gasps> oh, in, uh, cool. Yeah. Oh, I can't Oh, and this is, a, this is actually a really interesting example because the sea dragon or a god slaying the sea dragon, this is a cross-cultural symbolic story mm. that has been told, you know, across cultures throughout time, but especially in the ancient cultures around Israel. And what's interesting is that the biblical authors use this very popular cultural story, but as they adopt it into their poetry, it mostly appears in the Psalms and the prophets, mm -hmm. which are writing poetry, they tweak it. They tweak the story in these interesting ways based on their deep convictions about the unique character of the God of Israel. Yeah. And so, it's, anyway, it's just a really fun example because you're watching the biblical authors be like missionaries. Yeah. Like taking ideas from their surrounding culture and then reshaping them around what they believe about their God. Anyway, it's a really fun project. So, today I was in Isaiah chapters 24 to 27, because there's a whole bunch of stuff about the dragon. Yeah. Oh, man, Tim. I, listen, you can't get too nerdy on me here. I just love it so much. <laughs> I love all that Sweet. stuff. My, like, all secret, right, in a secret life, I want to absolutely know how to read Hebrew and Greek, which I'm sure you read both, don't you? Uh, I did yeah. learn how to do that yes, half my I life know. ago. <laughs> I, but do you, I mean, yeah. do you go back and look at that a lot? Do you go back and look at the original language a lot? Yes, I mean, I, I, I. That's how I read the Bible. What? I mean, I, the, the reason I learned how to learn these languages is so that I could read the Bible. So when I say I learned it half my life ago, it's because I. That's how I've been reading the Bible for Tim half my Mackey, life. Tim Mackey, are you telling me that when I was about to ask you what translation of the Bible do you like to read the most, the answer was going to be <laughs> Hebrew and Greek? <laughs> yes, that would yeah. that would be my answer. No, that's different than that's like a great answer. translations that I use yeah. when I'm in classroom or when I'm preaching or something like that. But that is different than Dude, when I, my Bible's you have become open. all of our pinnacle goal <laughs> to all yeah. to yeah. read it in the original so, language. I, I understand that in some settings, it's very exotic to know somebody who knows Greek and Hebrew. But it's yeah. actually like most of us know somebody who know multiple languages. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's just like that. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna follow in your footsteps. I'm gonna try. I mean, I'm already yeah. 42. It may I may not hit it in this lifetime, but <laughs> I'm certainly gonna try in eternity to get a grip yeah. on all of them. That 
Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our amazing partners, Chime. Y'all know I love a morning routine, reading, hot tea, journaling. But you know what I don't think should have a primary spot in that routine, besides looking at my phone and Instagram, is thinking about your credit score. What if that doesn't have to be the first thing on your mind when you wake up? At Chime, they're thinking about your credit score, so you don't have to. With their secure Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card, you can start to build credit with your own money. Chime reports your payments to credit bureaus to help you build credit over time. Their members see an increase of 30 points on average. All of this with no annual fees, no large security deposits, and no credit checks to apply. So start your credit journey with Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at Chime.com slash that sounds fun. That's Chime.com slash that sounds fun. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank NA pursuant to a license from the Visa USA Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply for the secure Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Regular on-time payment history can have a positive impact on your credit score. Impact to score may vary and some user score may not improve. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply except at MoneyPass ATMs in a 7-Eleven or any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. And I've got one more incredible partner to tell you about, Crew. Y'all know how much I love Crew. If we've been friends for a while, you know this about me, but the Lord and His Word have changed my life in so many ways. It's what we're talking about with Tim Mackey today. I know a lot of our friends here, a lot of y'all listening feel the exact same way. And it's why y'all love Let's Read the Gospels just as much as we do. But take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible, if you didn't have multiple versions on your shelf or bedside table, or couldn't pull it up on your phone anytime you like, or think about how it would feel if you weren't even allowed to have one. It's kind of hard to believe, but this is true. That is the reality that many people around the world are facing today. Sharing the hope and peace we find in Scripture with others is something that is really close to my heart. That is why I love sharing about Crew with y'all. Crew has missionaries in almost every country on earth, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus through their work. And a lot of them are missing a Bible in their own language. So many of you signed up to support Crew, and we're so thankful to our friends for doing that. But as one of their missionaries said, we found so many people reading their Bibles. Please continue praying for us. We still need more Bibles to distribute. Y'all, we can do that. Let's meet that need. For only $25 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $25, you'll also be partnering with Crew to provide meals to 15 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, as a thank you, you get a free copy of my book, Chase the Fun. Simply text CHASE to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text CHASE to 71326. That's C-H-A-S-E to 71 71- one three two six to help now or visit give.crew.org slash chase. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. And you know that link is in the show notes along with links to all of our amazing partners. Tickets for the Here For You tour. Did you see we're coming to Sioux Falls? The link to sign up for the AFD Week Interview newsletter. All of that is there for you. And now back to our conversation with Tim. Okay, so let's talk about the Gospels a little bit. Matthew, Mark, yeah, Luke, and John. That. Do you have a yeah. favorite of those four dudes? Ooh, boy, it depends. Um, I have been working on a number of projects that just keep pulling me back into the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah. And I um, I just am enamored, enamored really? with Matthew. Yes, yes. But also John. Yeah. And M- Mark feels like the strange cousin uh-huh. that's like way more interesting than I really know. And I know that he's that, but yeah. I just haven't had the time yet to really like go on a long vacation with him. Yeah. So Mark's like next on my Man, list. so Luke yeah. is your bottom. 
No, Luke's not at the bottom. I actually really love Luke too. <laughs> no. It's okay. They can all be winners. They just yeah, can't all be first place winners. No, that's uh, that's basically it. I don't know. I, that's not how I relate to them. I just they all. It's like four great works of art, yes. and it's you yes. can't choose. You just have different seasons in your life where you're staring at one yes. a little more than another. And I mean, I've heard it said and heard it taught that <laughs> that they think a lot of Matthew and I'm going to get this wrong, possibly Matthew and Luke's writings are based off of Mark's original writing. Is that kind of how yeah. that works? Well, so here's something really interesting is that when you compare Matthew, Mark and Luke, they have a lot of what feels like verbatim shared material yeah. between them. And when you read John... It doesn't feel like that. Mm. There are it's a small handful of shared verbatim things, a lot of similar ideas or shared stories, but the wording is different. Yeah. And then John has a lot of stories and teachings of Jesus that are just not in, in there. Anywhere other. else, yeah. So John is kind of set apart. And a lot of this has to do with how the Gospels came into existence in the first place, which in a very simple way, you can just say Jesus was on the scene teaching, doing, saying stuff. But he had a crew of disciples, apprentices, and very common in Jewish culture at that time for a rabbi with his disciples would be that they would be memorizing large amounts of his sayings and teachings. Ah. And so on. But then also that they would be committing to memory certain versions of the experiences that they had with him, the feet, how he fed a bunch of people, how he healed you know, the blind man or healed that woman. And so... Uh, as the years went by, those oral memories, and they, this wasn't like they played telephone like we play at parties, you know, you yeah. whisper in someone's ear and it, like Morris. This is like they were there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they had certain ways of telling the story. And as they repeated over and over the years, those came to take on written forms. Yeah. And then the gospel authors, as we know them, drew upon eyewitnesses and written memories and compiled their different accounts. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke have been sharing from the same pool of, yeah. of memories. But Bible nerds debate these things. The most accepted, but it doesn't mean it's always right, but for a long amount of time, it seems like Mark is the earliest of the four. Okay. And that Matthew and Luke used Mark as one of their sources. Yeah. And then also they had access to other eyewitnesses or other um, traditions that they wove in to their accounts as well. So all four of them are telling the same basic story about Jesus of Nazareth, how he came onto the scene. He did a bunch of stuff yeah. <laughs> that made poor, disadvantaged people love him. Yes. It made many of the elite religious leaders in Israel, some love him, but some hate him. Yes. And then uh, he had this message that God's heavenly kingdom was arriving here on earth through himself and what he was doing. And then he took the party to Jerusalem for Passover weekend, which is like the biggest deal yeah. ever. And uh, he just like stuck it to the man, so to mm -hmm, speak. Uh, mm -hmm. He just got in the face of the leaders such that uh, they put a target on his back and killed him, which really seems to have been Jesus's plan. Like yeah. he went and poked the bear, yeah. knowing it would attack him. And why he did that and what that means that he did that well, this is what the gospel authors are trying to explain to us. Yes. Um, but And then all four of them end with the empty tomb uh, and with some kind of uh, appearance of Jesus having risen from the dead. So all four accounts tell that story, but how they tell it and their differences show the different angles they want to give us mm -hmm. 
on that event. You could maybe think of it as like a diamond, you know, like, or a jewel that has many facets. Yes. And so there's one center to it, but you can look at it from multiple angles. And each one gives you yet another vantage point on the core thing. And it's as if the, uh, the Gospels are like a four-sided gem, yes. you know, giving us a window into the most beautiful thing of all, which is God, God with us. Yes. So one of my nerdy questions is, do you think Mark is the naked guy at the end of Mark who runs away <laughs> after Jesus is arrested? Do you think it's him? That's a great question. Um, you know, it's been a while since I went down that rabbit trail. I think, I don't remember, it might have been a guy named Robert Gundry, a Marx scholar. Yeah. It's interesting. There are <gasps> scholars who will dedicate. <laughs> well, so what's interesting is like, you know, there's Bible nerds, but then Bible nerds will start to like specialize. <laughs> and so there'll be like a, a scholar who dedicates 10 years to just working on one book of the Bible and like learning everything there is to know. I did so not anyway. know this, Tim. I did not know this. Oh, yeah. There are Mark he, scholars. There are Luke scholars. <gasps> you got it. I don't have yeah, enough days on earth. I don't have enough days to do all the things I want to do and, with my life. You and me both. Uh, you and me both. Oh my gosh. Okay. So if I recall, he's not compelled uh, for the uh. reasons why why that's John Mark. But I, you know, um, I actually really, okay, so here's what's interesting. For I think for sure, one of the things the gospel authors are doing when they're telling us stories, is they're telling the stories about Jesus from these eyewitness memories, but they are also using specific words and images as they tell the stories to echo previous stories told in the biblical collection. Ah. And as they do that, they are inviting readers who, are, who be, over time become well-versed in the, the scriptural collection to go back to those earlier stories that they're kind of alluding to and to look it up and you'll be like, oh, I see what's going All on right. there. So what's interesting is Mark wants to present Jesus kneeling in the garden, facing his test. This, uh -huh. the, the night in the garden of Gethsemane is Jesus' test of whether he will surrender himself to God's will and desire. And the gospel authors use the language of the Garden of Eden story when they yeah. tell that story. Because the first, this whole, the whole reason why Jesus is doing what he's doing is because the story began with a couple in, the, in a garden yes. who was faced with a choice of whether they would surrender their desires to God's word and will. Mm -hmm. And they foolishly you know, disobeyed God's will yeah. and it led to their exile from Eden and so on. And so the story of Adam and Eve ends with them not doing God's will. They do what they desire and it ends with them realizing that they're naked. Yes. So I think Mark is introducing that little detail Tim. as a way of signaling to the reader that there is nakedness in a garden, all right, but not because Jesus failed the test. It's actually precisely because he succeeded in, in passing the test on behalf of those who have failed the test. And then you get a naked guy who runs away. I am, great? I am balancing <laughs> emotionally between <laughs> sobbing and laughing. That is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I have never thought about that one time. Yeah. That Na how many naked people in a garden are there in the Bible? Uh, two, two, two times. <laughs> two times. It's Adam and Eve and, Pasta, yeah. and who I will call not real John Mark, but I wanted yeah, it to be sure, so. Yeah, sure, sure. And maybe the Song of Songs, Tim, but who knows? You know, it's a little bit That risque. is, yeah, 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 yeah. That's for, that sounds fun after dark. Yeah. I cannot believe you're saying that. That is, mm. 
That is incredible. Yeah. So, uh, but again, the technique is a very common technique is that biblical authors, they will tell, they'll write a poem or tell a story, but be using the precise language and images from earlier stories that take place in similar types of places. And it's actually very, you know, we, this happens all the time in film. Yeah. Or in musical scores, you know, like if you're watching a movie and there'll be a certain melody that introduces a character. And then every time that character comes, you know, the melody yeah. will play again. And then it's a way of linking together the different parts of the story. Yeah. So the biblical authors did it with word, repeated words and images. Yeah. So the naked man in the garden, I think for sure is the Adam, Adam and Eve connection. I'll never be the same. That's unbelievable. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Oh, I, one of my favorite things is I would love for you to speak to for a minute is in Luke, when Luke says that Mary treasured up all these things in her heart when mm. Jesus is born. Mm. I've always mm -hmm. thought, I wonder if that means Luke actually got to interview Mary. Because how else would that mm. story have ever come out? No, that's, yeah, that that has to be the case. Absolutely. Yeah. And we know that Jesus' mom was there at the, uh, among the, the women at the crucifixion. Yeah. Because all, all of his, actually, all those male friends bailed on him. Right. And so, yeah, you can just, it's not hard to imagine the honored role that Jesus' mom had in the early yeah. Um, Christian communities. And so for sure, like her memories would have been really important to preserve. Yeah. And Luke seems to have preserved m more of them. Yeah. Uh, Mark's account just begins with Jesus as a man on the <laughs> scene. Like there's no, no birth story. John begins with like the cosmic Jesus, yeah. you know, in the beginning. So only in M Luke and Matthew do we get the birth stories. And in Matthew's version, it's mostly Joseph that's highlighted. Yeah. So it's in, unique in Luke's gospel that the role of Mary is really prominent. Okay, so that's actually another good example because um, that little line about a mother treasuring up or saving the meditating on the words yes. about their children, this is echoing actually two earlier stories in the Old Testament. One is the story of Hannah and Samuel that begins mm -hmm. the, uh, the book of First Samuel in the Bible. And there similarly you have a mother who couldn't in this case, couldn't get pregnant. Yes. She has this amazing pregnancy that God gives her. And so she um, dedicates her son to God at the, at the beginning. So it's one, one story. And there, oh, and the song that Mary sings. Yes. Remember, she sings, it looks like a musical. Yeah. So she sings the song. And the song that Mary sings is all these words and images that come right from the song that Hannah sang yeah. when she got pregnant. Oh my gosh. But then that little line of she treasured the things up in her heart that line is uh, adapted from the story of Joseph and his dad Jacob in Genesis. When Joseph has those dreams about how he's, he's going to rule the universe and it makes his brothers angry. Yes. And it says, and his father stored up these matters in his heart. And so, in, in other words, he's pondering the future significance of his son based on the sign that God has given. And so Luke's trying to portray Mary and portray Jesus in a new Jacob, Joseph, Hannah, Samuel type of relationship. Anyway, I could go all day, and I often do. But I the, am having the best uh, time. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good. But but it's just it's just it's it's a good thing to know that when you're reading the Gospels, you can read them and not know any of these like connections back to earlier parts of the Bible, and you can totally get the idea. But it's as if the Gospel authors are invite winking at you in every line yes. saying like there's a little bit more to what i'm saying and if you ever want to know about that just let me know i'm right here 
<laughs> and so it's, you know, um, maybe it's like going to the symphony where I took my wife to the symphony and we rarely ever do that. And it was great and it was beautiful. But I had not a music like historian or yeah. theorist. And so like, I, but I was watching other people in the crowd who were like so into it. And I was like, this is really cool, but like they're getting something I'm not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's kind of how the Bible is sometimes. And that's okay. I think that for me, that it's those levels of deepening understanding that make it so exciting. Yeah. That it's like for a lifetime of discovery. Literally never ending. It is never ending. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's how I know it's living and active is that yeah, sure. I am yeah. on my third time of reading it out loud. And we stopped today and we're like, yes. I can't believe that part. Have we read that every time? I mean, the <laughs> Lord, it is alive. So, yeah. so we're yeah, about to listen to it and read it in chronological order. So we're mixing <laughs> everybody up. Will yep, you talk yep. a little bit about like, what should we pay attention to when we're hearing the gospels, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or in January, we went John, mm -hmm. Luke, Matthew, Mark. And, yep, yep, yep. but this is like, oh, you fun. know, That's throw them idea. all in a mixer and go. So yeah, what's yeah. that? What should we be paying yeah. attention to this month? Well, I mean, when you're when you're blending them all together, you're, what you're trying to do is reconstruct basically what was the actual outline of events. Yes. From his birth to his execution to his resurrection, and you know we should know some of it is you can kind of arrange the events fairly accurately because one of the gospel authors gives us like some dates or something like yeah. that. But some of it we don't have dates. And so, well, it seems logical that this happened before then, but, you know, we're not absolutely sure. And that's fine. That's yeah. okay. But I think what's important is to see that this isn't, you know, the, the facets of the diamond is one way to think about it. But at the same time, this isn't just cool literary artistry that's just, you know, fiction or something like that. Like, this is actually, these are the eyewitness memories of people who lived and saw and encountered a person yeah. like a and the claim of these stories is that the person that you're reading about is like alive right now and wants to address you through these texts and like wow. mess with you, you know? yes speak to you so i have found reading chronologically where you just get the one sequence of events through from multiple as you read through the gospels is a good just reminder that this like this we're, we're talking about reality here and as a reader, you can choose to accept or reject, you know, the claim of the story. The gospel authors can't force you yeah. to trust trust their accounts. But if you're willing to have an open mind, uh, I think what you'll find is there's something very, very compelling about Jesus of Nazareth. And not just what he said, but also how what he did was so hand in glove with what, what he said he was doing. Yeah. So I don't know. That has been my experience, at least. Yeah, it, as we have started reading it, and our friends will be able to start listening on March 1st, it has moved us, me, mm. Craig, Ashley, who's sitting here, it has removed mm. us repeatedly to go, oh, all three of them cared to write that down. All four yeah, of them yeah, sure. needed yes. to tell that Jesus fed 5,000. So, Tim, from your point yep. of view, why is yeah. that the first story that all yeah. four of them wanted to make sure we read? Well... Okay, so one of them has to do with, I'm just going to do the thing I was doing earlier. So one of, <clears throat> we, we need to remember, this is an entirely ancient Israelite culture, mm -hmm. right? Jesus is Jewish to the core. Almost all the characters in the story are Jewish and they're Israelites. And so 
you know, Jesus didn't appear in a vacuum or just as out of the blue. He talked about himself, and the gospel authors want to show us that Jesus is the culmination of a story that's been long in the making. Yeah. And so one of those stories involve figures that God raised up to be the deliverers or to be a human embodiment of God's rescue or provision. Yeah. And so those are figures like Moses, you know, or Elijah and these yeah. great prophets of old. And what's interesting is that both of those figures, Moses and Elijah, uh, have stories and memories about them of providing for food for God's people when there was a great famine um, and uh, rain shortage in the days of Elijah, and then also uh, when the Israelites were in the wilderness. Yes. So even though we might think that's amazing that he produced food out of like no food in the wilderness, and that is amazing. But then when you hear that they are presenting Jesus as a new Elijah or yes. a new Moses, oh then gosh. that helps us appreciate that, that, cultural, that cultural setting. So that's, that's one piece. But then also, that's amazing. What, what they're trying to tell us is like, but he's not just another Moses or another Elijah, because Moses and Elijah were amazing, but they also had, you know, their bad days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so by presenting Jesus as someone who's like these Jewish heroes of the past, Israelite heroes of the past, but also a greater than Moses or a greater than Elijah, also they're making a unique claim about why Jesus is the answer to uh, the whole story that, that Moses and Elijah were just images of. Yes. You know? I am 42. I've been a Christian since I was five. I made the decision huh. and remember it. Like, I, I knew what I was doing. Wow. I huh. have never thought about how Moses, oh. Joseph, oh, yes. Elijah, they were all— yeah. I mean, I know I knew Scripture said Jesus is the better mm. Moses, mm. but I, I never put together that it was—the feeding shows us that, that Jesus did it yeah. with his hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he right. didn't—I mean, God did it, but Moses didn't that's produce right. it. Moses just asked God to do it. Yes, and yeah, that's Jesus right. Jesus actually yeah, that's did right. it. Yeah. So what's cool is that the feeding stories. I like that you think in, now we're going to get to what's cool, Tim. This whole thing's Matthew, cool. <laughs> whole thing. Everything. But keep so going. Matthew, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are, well, I just talked about what they're doing. When you get to John, when John tells you the story about the feeding of the, the multitude, he goes back the next day and the people are following him because they want more bread. Yeah. And then he starts talking about how, well, you know, Moses gave you guys bread from heaven because God you know, gave it to you through Moses. And then, you know, he says, I am the bread yes. uh, that comes down from heaven. So there Jesus is very explicit where he's not just saying, I'm like Moses. What he is saying is, I, I am both Moses and I'm the bread, bread. which means I'm better than both yes. um, because you eat bread and you get hungry again and you follow Moses, but Moses died. But what if you could eat bread and, you know, you never get hungry again and, yeah. and that's... That's his image. Mm -hmm. Man, my insides are on fire at all of this. This is like so, I mean, this is why the Bible is so fun. It is also mm -hmm. really hard, but it is so fun to be like, yeah. Jesus was, yeah. Jesus knew everything he was doing. He knew everything yeah. he was doing had 18 levels to it, and he knew it. Yeah, yeah, It's totally. just awesome. That sounds fun. 
Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one last time to share about one of our amazing partners, Thrive Cosmetics. So I first heard about Thrive Cosmetics because of how well the algorithm knows me and how big of a sucker I am for ads on social media. We all know that sometimes those impulse buys lead to buyer's remorse, but not so with Thrive Cosmetics. Those ads led me to discovering what y'all know is my favorite my ride or die mascara, the Thrive Cosmetics Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. But today, can we talk about their brilliant eye brightener? There are 13 different gorgeous colors to choose from, and you simply apply these highlighter sticks to those inner corners of your eyes and right there under the arch of your brow. And y'all, you instantly look more awake, up from a long, restful night of sleep and ready to take on the day. If you're pinched for time, you can use it as an eyeshadow too. They blend beautifully and brighten you right up. Don't just take it from me either. The brilliant eye brightener has over 10,000 to five-star reviews. 10,000, y'all. Thrive's helping us stock our makeup bags with incredible, clean, skin-loving products that make us feel like a million bucks while also helping us to help others. Cause is in the name for a reason. As a part of their mission, every purchase supports organizations that help communities thrive, partnering with partner organizations that help communities fight cancer and emerge from homelessness and survive domestic abuse and fighting for racial and social justice, just to name a few. You've got to try Thrive Cosmetics to see for yourself. Right now, you can get an exclusive 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash TSF. Like, that sounds fun. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash T-S-F for 15% off your first order. And just one more quick moment to tell you about another one of our incredible partners, Ethos School. Education is changing, as you know, and your child deserves more than a one-size-fits-all experience in their education. As a Christian online school, Ethos understands the responsibility parents feel to ensure their child develops academically, socially, and spiritually. Maybe your child is fascinated by physics, but you don't know how to teach physics, or maybe your child's school doesn't offer the flexibility your child needs to really flourish, or the Christian perspective you'd like them to learn. Well, good news. Ethos partners with parents to shape their children as whole people, offering over 100 relational high-quality online courses for 4th through 12th grade students, including multiple world language, math, dual credit, and advanced placement options, and weekly time with a live teacher and classmates. Visit ethosschool.org slash TSF. Ethos is offering to waive your $95 enrollment fee and are offering each of our friends a complimentary academic counseling session to plan out your child's academic journey. Ethos's online teachers are expert educators and each one either has or is currently pursuing a graduate degree. No wonder Ethos advanced placement scores soar above national averages. Again, Ethos is waiving that $95 enrollment fee for our friends. So visit ethosschool.org slash TSF or click the link in our show notes to plan your child's educational journey with an Ethos academic counselor. And now back to finish up our conversation with Tim. So the yeah. hard part, though, Tim, is that we read things all throughout the Beatitudes and all yes, throughout yes. Scripture, particularly in the Gospels, that are really hard to deal with. I will tell you, I mean, do not marry someone who's divorced, Jesus says. Don't get divorced. And if you if you marry someone who's divorced, you're committing adultery. If you sin, cut your hand off. I mean, like, mm-hmm. he has some real direct things to say. And mm-hmm. there were mm-hmm. there are some teachers and leaders who would couch it and say, well, there are things in that time. There are things in their mm-hmm. cultural mm-hmm. differences. And mm-hmm. 
But if we're mm-hmm. not all reading in Hebrew and Greek and we've got mm-hmm. to trust the men, and it was mostly men who translated mm-hmm. the Bible that we hold, mm-hmm. how do we balance mm-hmm. that tension of, mm-hmm. I don't like all this says, and this isn't our culture, it's an ancient culture, and mm-hmm. yet scripture is all true and I'm supposed to listen to it today mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. English, if that's my first language, as yeah. much as yeah, yeah. they did back then. Yeah, no, it's an excellent question. And yeah, you don't have to read any of the Gospels very long before you come across uh, Jesus saying things that are difficult to process, yes, difficult to understand, or difficult to accept. Yes, And this seems to be a regular experience that people had with him, <laughs> present <laughs> and past. Yeah, forever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in his present right? day I mean, and there's a whole present day. <laughs> yeah, no, but there's a whole story right. about it that in the Gospel of John where Jesus says some stuff about eating his flesh and blood. Yes. And, you know, a bunch of people stop following him. And Jesus yes. says to his closest friends, like, what about you guys? Yeah. So uh, it seems like uh, so uh, there's two virtues, I think, that following Jesus forces you to develop. And one of them for sure is patience. Mm. <laughs> Learning to sit with somebody that if I've come to trust them, then what I'll trust is that when they say something that is difficult to process or difficult to understand, if I really trust their character and their heart, then I'll sit with that. And I will trust that whatever it means, that I'll at some point get to the bottom of it. And even if I don't, the journey of getting to the bottom of it must be something Jesus wants me to go on or else yeah. he wouldn't have said it that yeah. way. So that's, a, that's one important piece is, is patience. And I think the other one is open-mindedness to be that my first understanding on a first reading in my own language, which is not Jesus's language, may not be the whole picture. And so I, I don't want to ever discourage people from just like, read your Bible in yeah. whatever translation, like, yeah, yes, do that a lot, yes. like, a lot. But it is important to recognize that these texts, while they are for all of God's people of all time and places, they weren't written, their first audiences were first century Messianic Jewish followers of Jesus in that first generation or non-Israelite followers of Jesus gathering in house churches across the Roman Empire. Like these were the first audiences. And so understanding cultural context is actually really, really important for understanding at least some of these difficult sayings. And actually many of the sayings that I think I might understand that don't seem that hard actually become deeper and even more powerful when I do realize cultural context. So that's just true. So for example, you know, Jesus' sayings on divorce, when Jesus said the things he said about divorce, it was in response to questions from rabbis, from Bible nerds, first century Bible nerds. And they're asking Jesus very specific questions about specific guidelines given in the first books of their Bible called the Torah. And they're asking in the context of debates happening at that time. And so understanding what the debate was, what were the views about divorce and remarriage among Bible teachers in Jesus' day, and where does Jesus fit? What he says, where does it fit? And when you see it in that context, like boom, all kinds of things pop that are of huge significance for how we understand those difficult sayings. So it doesn't remove the difficulty. We're not trying to make the Bible easier. Yes. We're trying to understand. I mean, I, uh, I've been married to a human who was way better than me for about uh, 21 years, <laughs> my, my wife, Jessica, and she's a remarkable human being, and I can't believe that I get to uh, live with her. 
And we regularly have this situation where what she says and what I take her to first mean by what she says doesn't actually necessarily mean that's what she actually means. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we, we actually take each other to mean something by what they say that is often like wrong at our first pass. Mm. So this is actually a normal experience that we have to not fully get something on the first pass. And I, it seems like we have less patience for that with the Bible. And I don't know, maybe we, it depends on who it is if we have patience yeah. for that with other people. Yeah. But it's a virtue that most of us already know we need to cultivate mm-hmm. of patience. Mm-hmm. That um, sometimes what people mean, you can't just boil it down to what they said the first time that I heard it. You need yes. to hear it again, and you need to hear it in a bigger context. So I know that's a big kind of complex answer to your question, but it's such an important question that it, we, we should not be simplistic about it because yeah. it's really important to learn how to listen with patience and learn where can I go to learn about the cultural context of Jesus and and what he was saying. Yeah, where do we go? I mean, Bible Project is where I go for a lot of that information to learn. Is it oh, is sure. it y'all's yeah. resources? Is that kind of our like a good first stop? You know, yeah, if the world of biblical studies and getting into these conversations that have been going for thousands of years yeah. about all everything. There is no stone in the Bible literally or metaphorically that hasn't been turned over 200 times by yeah. people smarter than the than peop- anybody in the world right yes, now. Yes, yes. So how do you tune in? So Bible Project, what we're trying to do is take that world of biblical scholarship and just make it accessible to the broadest number of people possible and trying to show how the whole Bible fits together. So there is a whole world of like book resources called commentaries. Yeah. So these would be like a scholar will dedicate five years to just studying Mark. And they'll produce a volume on Mark that walks you by, sentence by sentence, through the book. So one commentary series that I find myself recommending really often, called the the Tyndale Bible Commentary Series. There's one for the Old Testament, Uh one for the New Testament. There's one volume for every book of the the Bible. Oh, that's cool. And so when I was like in seminary or college, whatever book I was studying, I would just grab the Tyndale volume for that. Yeah. And a different scholar writes each one. Yeah. And then just kind of have it open. And whenever I hit a point like, oh, what's that? Or, then I would just kind of turn. So there's Bible dictionaries are uh, really great. Study Bibles. Actually, study yeah. Bibles are really great. Yeah. Um, I'm really advocate for all those tools as well. And also your leaders at your local church. Yes. Um, actually, that's crucially important <laughs> because the, the Bible was written within a community and always meant to be read within a community. And so having actual people that are in your church that you're reading with and you're recommending resources to each other, that's a really important place as well. Yeah, my friends and I that sat and had pizza and salad last night talked about (laughs) where Jesus says there's no marriage in heaven. We dug yeah. so deep into like yeah. what he was actually responding to the Sadducees. He was That's not right. saying yeah. you won't know people that you love in heaven. Mm, he was responding, mm. you know, so we got to dig into it. And that only yeah. happened to me in my life. That happens very best in community. Mm, not when I'm sitting mm-hmm. in my chair alone with, with yeah. the because pe- yeah. I don't have other thoughts except my own. That's like just as, as a quick note, yes. I think one of the things I've most enjoyed about the journey of the Bible Project is doing it with my friend John. Yeah. Because we've been friends since college. And our friendship began talking about the Bible and theology. And so I have learned so much from him relentlessly asking questions for all the years we've known each other. And he forces me constantly to go back to what I think I know 
to discover it all over again. So finding valuable, trusted conversation partners to learn together is so, so vital. Yeah. And not, you know, it's, it's a gift when you find someone like that. And when you do, it's really worth investing in that yeah. relationship. I, I think I've learned as I've gotten older is there's nothing in the Bible that you can raise questions about that scares God and mostly doesn't scare pastors mm. either. Like, totally. go for it. If you have a question, yes. start digging into it. Do not yes. be afraid to ask questions yeah. about what the Bible says. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, right. I love it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, and what's great, you know, the New Testament's 2,000 years old, uh -huh. but the Old Testament is like 3,000, 3,500 years old. So, like, it's been a lot of, a lot of smart people who have <laughs> read and studied these things. That's and right. it's just knowing how to find, how to find that, those conversations and yeah. how can I learn from yeah. them. And that takes some work, but... But there you go. Things that are valuable take work. Yeah. Amen to that. Okay. Let me ask you one more question <laughs> and then we'll move on yeah. and let you have sure. your day. I want to read to you. I know you know it, but I want to read to you the last verse of John and I would love for you to respond mm. to the, I just want everyone oh. to hear it. This is John 21, mm. 25. And this is in the NIV. Jesus did many mm. other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I'm going to cry, read it to you. I suppose mm. that even the whole world would not mm. have room for the books that would be written. Mm. Yeah, I love that line. Yeah, what do we do? I mean, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one implication of that line, which is that the specific things that the gospel authors have chosen to include, since they could have chosen a lot more. Yeah. What it means, and what John said a chapter earlier, is these particular things I've chosen because I want to persuade you that yeah. Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah and that he loves you and that you can find life in him. So what that tells us is there's been a lot of intentionality and selectivity yes. in the shaping of the stories about Jesus to help not just tell us what happened, but help us understand the meaning and significance of what happened. But also, I think it, it also reminds us that the person that we're being introduced to in these four accounts of Jesus' life isn't just a literary personality. He's a living person whose story has been unfolding still through the story of his body and his mission and being in both in heaven and earth right now, interceding for us all with his, before his father and sharing the love fest, yeah. right? With the spirit and his father. Yeah. And um, that that's the one that we are invited to meet and encounter and hear all over again when we read these stories. And so these stories, even though there's four accounts, it's just a little window into the infinite mystery and wonder and love that is Jesus of Nazareth. And um, that's where my mind goes when I, I hear it. the last line of John. I love it. Mm. I mean, the, I love how John starts and finishes. I just, oh, uh, yeah. oh God, he's such a yeah. good writer. I just he, love it. Yeah. Tim, Agreed. thank you for making time to do this today. You have just yeah, lit Annie, us of up course. on mm -hmm. for the Gospels. And I just is, mm -hmm. it, it means so much to me to get to hear you just like off the top of your head, say some of the most brilliant things <laughs> that this podcast <laughs> has ever received. So well uh, done. I, I don't know about that. Um, it yeah. is true. Okay. The last question we always ask that we've got to ask oh, you. Okay. Because yeah, the show yeah. is called That Sounds Fun, Tim Mackey. Ah. Tell me what sounds fun to you. Oh, man. You know... Here's the thing. I have, so I have two boys uh, who are age 9 and 11. So it depends on the day. Uh-huh. It's sort of like if it's a day with my boys, then we're going to put on Star Wars, like Star Wars, like soundtrack music. Yeah. And uh, build Lego 
sets in uh, their playroom. Yes. Uh, that sounds fun to me and to them. Yeah. Uh, and if I happen to get afternoon by myself, what I'll do is uh, I guess punish myself. I'll go for a long trail run in some beautiful mountain pathway yeah. here in the Northwest Cascade Mountains. Yeah. And um, enjoy God's good world. What so are you listening to when you run? Are you listening to podcasts? Are you listening to music or nothing? Oh, it depends. Um, ooh, for the last year and a half, I have been listening to a musical rendition of every one of the 150 psalms by a couple, uh, Jesse and Leah Roberts. Their their band is called Poor Bishop Hooper. Okay. Amazing musical rendition of the 150 psalms individually. It's not verbatim, uh-huh. but it's the wording of the psalm, but also a bit of interpretive. Uh, dude, it's incredible. Oh, and everyone I'm going to start listening. Must, yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really amazing. Great answer. That's well what done. I'm listening to when I run these yeah, days. Yeah, I love it. Thank <laughs> you again for doing this. You are, um, we are big fans of you around here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. It's my honor to get to be a part of the project and just to get here and yeah. talk with you, Annie. So it's great. This is my idea of a good time. Oh, so good. thank you for the, thank you for the invitation. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> You guys, I know, isn't he the best? Is your brain like hurting and happy at the same time? I know, I know. Okay, be sure to visit Bible Project site and subscribe to their podcast and learn from their wealth of knowledge there and follow Bible Project on social media. Right now on the podcast, they're doing a series about firstborns and it is so interesting. It's so interesting. Since Tim doesn't have a personal account, which we may have something to learn there, pop over to my Instagram post today about this episode and tell him thanks for being on the show today and we'll share it with them and if you enjoyed this episode or know someone you think would enjoy it be sure to share it and as you know let's read the gospels kicks up in march on march 1st where we are reading in chronological order and i hope you'll join us this is a great month to invite your friends to jump in with us so head over to let's read the gospels podcast feed wherever you're listening to this make sure you're subscribed and ready to go with us with all that we know from tim be ready to go with us for the month of March. And so we heard what sounds fun to Tim. I liked his answer. And now we get to hear what sounds fun to one of our friends who's listening, just like you. All right, Mary Helen, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Hi, Annie. I'm Mary Helen from Charlotte, North Carolina. And what sounds fun to me is tacos. Uh, My husband and I have this Taco Tuesday gift cookbook that we were gifted at our wedding in October and it has 52 tacos in it and every Tuesday night we have been cooking tacos dude um, so that we're is working brilliant. through a taco cookbook <gasps> yeah. that is so smart have you did you start in October or did you start in January we started in January so okay so you're only like a, a couple year. of weeks in yeah only do a you have weeks. a favorite taco so far one of my favorites has been a chickpea sun-dried tomato sweet potato Whoa, taco, yeah. which is three things I would have never put together, but oh my gosh, it was so good. Sweet pea, sweet potato, and what was the other thing? Chickpea sweet Chickpea, potato sweet and potato. sun-dried tomatoes. Sun-dried tomatoes. Okay, girl, you better live that life. Yeah. Okay, well, here's oh, my request my of you is in December, will you please circle back around and tell me which was your favorite of the year? Absolutely. Hands Excellent. Down, I will. Excellent. <laughs> 
Oh, that's so fun. Okay, if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. And today, what sounds fun to me is going to our Tennessee Performing Arts Center, going to TPAC tonight to see a musical. Cannot wait. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you back here on Thursday with one of my favorite pastors, David Platt. It's such a good one, y'all. You do not want to miss it. We'll see you then.